Welcome to Challenging Behaviours, the podcast that aims to challenge your behaviours, my behaviours, our behaviours, towards disability in society. When, Tom? All the time. Today! (laughs) Still doesn't know it. Still doesn't know it. Um, I said Tom when I should have called you not Jack because even your own mother is now referring to you as that. Yeah. How's that for you? I got, I, got a, I got a letter from the student finance company and it said, not Jack. <laughs> uh, we have a great guest today. Uh, we have Carrie Ann Lightly, who is a, I'm not going to say influencer because we talked about not really liking that. She's a blogger, uh, particularly writing about travel. What's the blog link? Would you like to know? I can tell you right now. Please do. Uh, com. Yes, that's the one. So we talk about accessibility when traveling, both abroad and within the UK, and about hospitality. We also talk about Access Able, um, an organization that Carrie Ann works for, who uh, building a, like a database of um, all the different kind of measures places have and how accessible they are. Um, she talks about it a lot better than I just did. So you can hear it uh, in this absolute blinder. Would you say a blinder of a yeah. podcast? It's a blinder of a podcast. Classic. A stone cold classic. So enjoy or don't. Do what you want. Do what you want. Go. Just to say, I, my dog is downstairs and she's a bit grumpy this morning, oh, so you might fine, get little laughs and stuff in the oh, background. That's all right. We'll add her to the um, list of guests for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> she'd, be, she'd be delighted with that. Yeah. She, she features in pretty much everything I do in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, my cat often comes in at some point whilst recording. Sometimes <laughs> you can hear her meowing on the podcast, sometimes my not. My for once pretty much single-handedly took over an episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't hear anything apart from the dishwasher, so... Yeah. <laughs> amazing amazing well she's a really small dog but she snores like super loudly and there have been times where i've done stuff like this and she's been under my desk snoring yeah. like sounds like i'm next to a 90 year old man who's fast <laughs> you could tell people that's what's happening it's <laughs> not man sleeping down here i'm like i've been on conference calls with work before and people are like carry on where are you? Like, <laughs> who is snoring in the background? And I'm like, honestly, it's Poppy. And they're like, it, it can't be. It can't be. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we have a, a, a very great guest with us today. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, that's fine. Um, so my name is Carrie Ann Lightley. Um, I have cerebral palsy and I use a wheelchair. And I am a travel writer and blogger focusing on accessible travel for disabled people and I also work as marketing manager for the national disability organization Accessable. Awesome I'm really curious as as to how you kind of um how you started like which came first like the desire for writing or the desire for traveling and how that all kind of came about. Probably a bit of both to be honest, um, I definitely fell into it. Like it wasn't, uh, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Definitely mm-hmm. not. Um, I was 18 years old and working on a supermarket checkout 
and feeling really unfulfilled with that. But it was pretty much the only like accessible employment option open to me at that time. Yeah. Um, and in local free jobs paper, a job came up um, working for uh, in admin for a charity that supported disabled people to take holidays, people with sort of care needs and that sort of thing. I thought, sounds like something I can do. And, and actually, I can swing this whole disability thing into a positive and, you know, use that in my interview as a way of saying... I know how to speak to your audience because actually nobody else in that office was disabled at that time. Um, so long story short, from that point, I was then subcontracted out to another charity called Tourism for All, where I ended up working for 13 years. And we ran an information service for disabled people. So it was essentially a helpline for anything to do with accessible travel and tourism. And I mean anything, like you yeah. literally did not know what you were going to get on the phone next. There were some interesting <laughs> questions sometimes. Uh, but, you know, there was a lot of variety there. And then within that, we had a charity newsletter. We had some contacts with the Scottish Tourist Board. And I was invited to go and do what we would now call a hosted trip um to go to edinburgh and glasgow um see various attractions stay in various hotels and write about them in the newsletter now i'd never really written anything like that before um i'd certainly never done travel writing before um travel was an interest of mine but until i had this job i didn't even know that accessible travel was a thing like yeah I, I've always had cerebral palsy. Um, I grew up and was brought up very mainstream. So I went to mainstream school. We lived in houses with stairs. We adapted and found our own way, really. Yeah. So I'd, I'd never seen an accessible hotel room. I didn't know that, that was a thing. It was mind blowing. The first time I saw like a hotel room with a ceiling track hoist and a wet room shower, I was like, oh, this is easier. Um, and so, um, yeah, I went on that trip. I wrote about it. I then decided to start blogging, literally just on like a Google blogger, like free platform. And this was back when like blogging could not be a job then. You yeah. could not make an income from blogging. Um, I don't think anybody even read it. It was just like a diary more than anything else. Um, but it, it awoke something in me that I thought I really enjoy this. I really enjoy writing about this. And particularly the feedback that we got from the newsletter article was like really positive and that it helped to be sort of confidence building in other people because they'd seen somebody like me who wasn't necessarily an expert in accessible travel, but was, you know, doing it and seeing what happened. Um, and that, that just built, it, it's that visibility thing, isn't it? It's that, you know, we all feel more confident when we see people like us doing something. Mm. We all feel more confident than we can then do that thing. Um, and, so, and so that was how it started, really. And then from there, I launched my own blog in 2017 on my own platform. And it's just gone from there. Yeah. Wow. I find it really interesting how, you know, um, you say... Um, <clears throat> you didn't even know that there were such things as, you know, accessible hotel rooms. And I wonder how, you know, how many people there are out there that just like don't know that is a thing like at the moment and how great it is that they, they could stumble across your blog and be like, oh, this is a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had experiences like that. Like I 
I had a trip to Rome in 2014 and um, I was like, before we booked this trip, I was convinced that it wasn't going to be accessible, that it was going to be too difficult, you know, old buildings, cobbles, etc, etc. And I was just giving every excuse possible as to why we couldn't do it. And my husband was like, will you shut up and book the trip and we will just go there and we will work it out for God's sake, like we always do. Um, And so we did and we did. And, um, you know, I remember like being on, on our first night in Rome after our first day wandering around the Coliseum. We were in this amazing hotel that had like a rooftop bar and it overlooked the Coliseum all lit up at night. Sitting there and thinking, do you know what? We've actually done this. Like, this is such a good feeling. Like, yeah. like I've put out of my comfort zone and I've done something that I didn't think was possible. And it is possible. And nobody else has done that for me. Sort of like a really empowering mindset. Mm. Um, And I wrote about that trip afterwards. And I met a lady at a disability roadshow who had read my article. She was older and she'd become disabled later in life. And she loved Rome. She loved traveling there when she was younger, but she was convinced that it just wasn't, she wasn't gonna be able to do it again, basically. She was like, I'd love to see Rome again before I die, but I didn't think I'd be able to. And she booked a trip based on the article that I wrote. And that, that was like mind blowing. I was like, oh my God, like, I think people see travel blogging often and influencing generally, I don't like mm-hmm. that, but you know, um, as just a way to kind of blag freebies yes. and a way to, <laughs> you know, get to the front of the queue, whatever. But, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, I've worked with some amazing brands on sponsored posts. I've had some wonderful opportunities for hosted trips, but that feeling of, my words being able to change somebody's mindset and being able to literally like change their life experiences is i i would i would happily give back all of the rest of it just for that you know yeah very much same like like we've said about this podcast is like you know as long as we've maybe changed one person's kind of mindset like we consider that like success like even if it is just like one person like the fact that we've giving that opportunity to someone kind of rethink some of their ideas um is really cool definitely Um, i think it's just such a powerful thing like and if that can come from something that you've created i i just i I love it i love it and that is ultimately why i still write today you know i'm not I don't really like spending a lot of time on social media i'm not really a fan of all the trappings that come with Mm -hmm being a person who works on the internet um but and and that often makes me kind of reevaluate and go right where am i spending my energy like where should my focus be um but yeah that that feeling of having created something that has in some way either just made somebody think a bit differently or you know helped them to come to terms with something that they might have been grappling with um, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing, and it is definitely like my main motivation. Yeah. So, like in terms of the word influencer, just because you mentioned it, it's um of all the ways to be an influencer, it's one of the better ways than than some of the people who get away with that <laughs> that sort of title. I feel like. Definitely, just def- <laughs> like I I had a message from somebody. I'd I'd written a review about a cottage in Norfolk that was wonderful. 
and I had a message from somebody saying, you know, I've just booked my first trip in seven years since I became disabled because I found your review and this cottage is perfect for me. And that is influence. I have influenced that person to do so, but I've influenced them to do something positive that's going to change their life. I haven't influenced them to like, I don't know, buy a lipstick or whatever. And you know, if that's your bag, then that is fine. Like I'm, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but um, yeah, I, I feel like I, I have to have a kind of a necessary place in that world if I want blogging to be effective, yeah. but it's not necessarily where I comfortably sit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can say that about, you know, just being on Twitter in general, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I'm not, I'm not yeah. comfortable being here, <laughs> but you can do some, make some potential impact on there. So it's a, uh, yeah, I think Twitter's a really interesting thing and it's something that I'm constantly reevaluating, particularly this year, because I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. I I at some point in the last six months have lost connections with all of my various communities, be that work, family, friends, you know, whatever. And that is isolating. And I think that I've become quite reliant on Twitter as a way of reaching people and as a way of being seen. And that that's not necessarily good for me, to be honest. Um, you know, I if, if I write a thread that's a bit insightful and a bit kind of this is what's going on in my brain at the moment and people come back to me and say, oh my God, I've never thought about it that way. Like, I do enjoy that, but is that healthy to enjoy mm. that? I don't know. It's an interesting thing, yeah. isn't it? I think especially the, the isolation and the pandemic and things have meant yeah. like your relationship with social media, everyone's has sort of shifted from even, I mean, before, obviously people, some people were relying on it, but I always felt like I was kind of a bit indifferent. And then during the pandemic, because there was like nothing else to do, I felt like I was checking Twitter every day and really I, like, actually reading up on what people were saying and taking yeah. like an avid interest in some of those tweets. I've definitely done similar and yeah and, and like literally just this week I've gone right we, we need to have a think about this like need to sort of take a step back and just just think about where I'm investing my energy Mm-hmm. because you know you guys will know um, and I think particularly during pandemic times and stuff fatigue can sort of creep up on you especially when you think you know I'm not really leaving my house like I'm 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 sitting doing video calls and stuff I've got loads of energy it's fine but um you know if I find myself at midnight arguing with some troll who I've never met and I'm never going to meet on Twitter and and you know yeah I guess sometimes I have to kind of take a step outside of myself and go this is not a good way for you to spend your energy. Like you could, you could be doing so much more positive stuff with it. Yeah. And hopefully like another way that, so, you know, in terms of influencing, there's um, disabled people who are, you know, looking for places to go, but hopefully like other places that are like providers of like, say like cottages or whatever, or things might see it and be like, Oh, we're not doing that. Hopefully we can start changing things and making things better. I get. I wonder as well. Like when you go to other countries and you see, like, wow, they do this great. Why aren't we doing this at home? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. To, to, like all of that. Yes. Like I, I, I do get contact from um, like accommodation providers and stuff who are like, you know, we really love what you do. Can you help us to become more accessible? 
Um, like my answer to that is always, well, I'm a writer and I'm a blogger. What I'm not is like an auditor. I'm not, I'm not an expert in mm. how to make, I, I can tell you what would be helpful for me, but I am one person. Yeah. And, you know, as I keep banging this drum, there is no such thing as fully accessible for everybody. It is impossible to cover off everybody's needs. That doesn't mean that you can't try, no. but it does mean that you can't take the experiences or the needs of one person and and think that you've ticked the accessibility box yeah so you know often if that happens i'll then i'll refer people on to accessable which is my day job and we can we can survey and you know help help to make improvements where where they can so it, it comes around in a nice circle but definitely from like the overseas point of view yeah, I've I've seen I've seen things in other places where I think like why haven't we got this? This would be so much better. Um, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like Barcelona is always held up as one of the most accessible cities in Europe. It is definitely one of the most accessible places I've ever been to, and I believe that that is because they had a properly effective legacy of accessibility after they hosted the Olympics and Paralympics. Yeah. And then look what happened to London. Like, we, we got all this amazing infrastructure in 2012. We got, like, extra hump ramps at tube stations. We got wheelchair mechanics at airports. And it all went away again afterwards. Mm. Um, and, that well, that just feels pointless, doesn't it? And, you know, and you look at the example of Barcelona and what they have done and what they continue to do. And my feeling there was just that, was just a part of everyday life. Like I didn't have to sit and research and find a restaurant that I could go to with an accessible toilet because they were just there. I didn't have to work out how I was going to get on the beach or yeah, if there was a shower that was accessible that I could use nearby because it was all just there. Yeah. I mean, I was only there for a weekend. So, you know, I'm sure, and I was only going to tourist places. So I'm sure that outside of that, that there is more difficulty to, to live there as a disabled person. But I just found that everything I needed was there. You know, restaurants with accessible bathrooms were there. Beach wheelchairs were there. Um, and I just think it's a really good example of how things can be done better. I think as well, when you come across like really well done accessibility, I always find like, kind of because of this podcast I'm like more I pick up on it a bit more now than I used to and um when it's done like badly it really like it also highlights that in your mind now because you've seen so it's not just like you notice really good it's also you now notice things that you never really thought about being like they're an issue but you never yeah yeah it highlights them as being like a problem of like the way we live here as opposed to a problem of kind of no one's doing anything about this when you see someone do it really well yes yeah no I get that but I and I also feel that I have to kind of pick my battles in that way I like you know and this goes back to the online thing again there is there is this pressure within sort of activism to feel like you have to be on all of the time mm-hmm. to feel like you 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 have to constantly be doing something that helps the cause or you have to have an opinion on everything 
and that is exhausting yeah. and it's also not very productive in terms of actually helping the cause um you know if i were to complain and instruct a lawyer or whatever every time i faced something inaccessible that should be better i just wouldn't have any energy left for anything else yeah so, you know and i'd be very angry all of the time and that's not a good way to live and you know it's frustrating because the the burden of um calling out bad accessibility and particularly from a legal perspective it should not be with the disabled person you know we should have stronger laws and we should have better policies within those laws that enable us to have some kind of infrastructure where you know i and i and i think we see this within non-disabled people who kind of expect us just to be able to have some kind of watchdog that we call and go oh this restaurant didn't have a ramp so you need to come out and find them or something you know like that that sounds like it might be effective um but it just doesn't exist and you know how many disabled people have the time to um to take every inaccessible venue to court i don't always believe that that is the most effective way i would personally much rather work with venues in a positive way yeah yeah it's a real kind of highlighting places that are doing it well Mm -hmm. for those places that aren't doing well to see how you know yeah there has to also be a kind of a bit of a business approach we had um gavin neat who's come up with this welcome app on last week yeah um yeah (laughs) um and you know he was talking about how we you know um changing what is considered to be the higher profit thing so like he was saying like instead of making it oil and stuff like that if we could make the things that bring in the most money is money like positive things like uh, creating accessibility and stuff so for businesses to see oh they've made this change and made it more accessible and they're getting a lot more customers now because of it because there's a whole community there of customers who could might consider that to be the only place they can go or whatever you know there's such there's that kind of aspect to it well like the, the I mean, it sounds horrible doesn't it when we're talking about people um but being like there's you have to have a kind of business angle to it too but, you know i think it's right because there are there is like the hearts and minds it's the right thing to do but it is also good business and that's you yeah. know that is a fact that we can't shy away from and particularly in in times that we're seeing now with the economy how it is and everything you know i don't think that a business can afford to turn away any customers and so you know if if we can help and support in such a way that they can welcome more customers then more is the better but i do think part of the problem is you know we we have a business case we know the value of the purple pound we know that accessible tourism in england is valued at about 15 billion pounds annually but what we don't have are strong return on investment figures from businesses so you know as you say if if a business has adapted and is welcoming more customers anecdotally that's a good thing to share but actually if we had data that said you know this hotel has put in three accessible rooms and they've installed a hearing and they've made sure that their menus are available in braille and this this is the difference that that has made to their financials then that is strong and it unfortunately it just doesn't exist at the moment because you speak to you know hotels and restaurants or whoever and you say what is your roi 
on accessibility and they say oh we don't know we don't measure that because we just do accessibility because it's the right thing to do mm. which is great but it's you know i just think if we had that if we had that business driven data it has the potential to be really effective yeah i think it's um because i think going into the what the podcast with gavin Lee, i was quite like you it's the right thing to do you should just do it that's no questions it's just, but he made like the really good point that there are basically a lot of companies that just do not really care for the right thing to do yeah. so you have yeah. to, be able to you have to be able to engage with them on their level like they set the parameters of the engagement essentially and the argument is still there to be made and very convincingly made that it's an economically viable solution as well like 100 percent. and you do have the danger that if a business is just doing it because it's the right thing to do or because they want to be seen to be doing it that they are just box ticking that yeah. they are not actually be becoming accessible to the best of their ability the other thing that i've seen quite a lot in hospitality particularly in hotels because staff turnover is high is that you might have a general manager or a managing director who gets accessibility who cares about accessibility because they've had an experience or they've had a friend and family member who's had an experience and they want this to be like number one priority within the business and that is amazing and it works so well and then 10 years later they leave yeah. they move on and that baton is not passed on to anybody else because that the culture of accessibility has sat with one or two people within a huge organization it's not actually been ingrained into the organizational culture and you know they move on that budget or whatever was ring fenced for accessibility just disappears and you might maintain what's already there but there's no innovation there's no there's no pushing for better um so i saw it recently so there's a handful of the Holiday Inn hotels in London that have ceiling track hoists um, in their rooms for people who struggle to transfer from wheelchair to bed or whatever. And like to put this in perspective, there's probably about a dozen hotels in the UK with ceiling track hoists. Like that's it. There's one in the whole of Scotland. Wow. Um, and I worked with Holiday Inn on this project about when I worked for Tourism for All and it was innovative. It was like the early 2000s. They were front runners. They were winning awards. They were like the, the MD was really hot on accessibility. They were just pushing, pushing, pushing this all the time. And then a news story broke a couple of weeks ago that said one of the hotels is just they're just taking the hoist out because they don't want the maintenance costs anymore. And like it really hit me because I just mm. I quite, like, it was quite a personal thing because I was yeah. like, oh my god, like we worked so freaking hard on this, and it's just going backwards. But I do believe that that's why I believe yeah. that there isn't an organisational culture of accessibility anymore. And so yeah, I yes, it is the right thing to do, and it will always be the right thing to do. But sometimes that isn't enough. Mm -hmm. I think as well, just because you mentioned the. Paralympics um that whole like every four years there's that spate of everyone sort of it becomes popular to yeah to get behind it because it's on tv in the Olympics and yeah and, and there's documentaries on the telly yeah, and, the, exactly. and yeah. the whole nation sort of cares for like this short period of time but just when you t when you talk about that in in a alongside Travelodge taking 
out hoists and things like that. You just it's it's just beyond belief, isn't it? It's just bizarre. It so, it is. And right, I love the Paralympics. I love adaptive fitness. It's something that I've discovered recently and something that I never thought I'd be into, but I really am. Um but there is there is and there always will be this problematic rhetoric that you know so so much um attention as you say is given to paralympics and paralympians every four years and this is held up as the you know the epitome of being a disabled person and it's it's so we we get viewed by society in extremes we get viewed as either being just completely like economically unviable and you know the so-called benefits scrounger um rhetoric or an amazing an amazing Paralympian and what about the millions of us that sit in the middle of that like what about the the people that don't want to be a Paralympian they've got no desire to take part in sport at all I don't want to take away from the achievements of these amazing people because they have done amazing things and I'm pretty sure that you know somebody who is a Paralympian would would agree that the the problem is with perception um and yeah well if if so-and-so who's got no arms and no legs can can do that amazing paralympic sport then you know why can't you get a job yeah it's it's a it's a really tricky you know it's got to be handled sensitively um and i think actually thinking about that within the context of hotels and tourism you know i used to one of my jobs at the old charity was to arrange the accommodation for the wheelchair tennis players at wimbledon many of whom at the time didn't actually need accessible rooms because they were so fit like they were so physically fit that they they just didn't need to be like in their wheelchairs within a hotel room or whatever they could manage with all of those obstacles and it is yeah is that the danger when we when we if we give a lot of um a lot of impetus or a lot of attention to athletes to people like at the top of their game who don't necessarily need yeah. the same infrastructure as the rest of us do is that you know that's also potentially really problematic yeah and i imagine you know a lot of the kind of customers like um hotels and things are getting are getting uh people with disabilities who you know who are more confident in doing like like you say like it being a bit more mainstream and um no like who actually know that there are accessible things and they feel more comfortable in um you know going on these kinds of trips and things because mm. they they you know they feel like oh, i you know i can get by like you were saying with you know uh going to rome and things like yeah you have you are feeling willing like okay i'm gonna give this a go it might not work but i'm gonna give it a try whereas there are gonna be lots of people out there who don't feel that way who, who and who can't who mm. like are not actually able to feel that way <clears throat> because their access requirements just don't allow them to because they you know and i would if i was traveling alone i wouldn't have been able to do that mm. i was fortunate that i had somebody and that i then that we were able to use a manual wheelchair giving more flexibility um to support that but that that is a privilege um and there are many many people who who can't even consider you know even in non-pandemic times traveling outside of this country because the procedures for flying are too difficult because they're worried about their chairs being damaged or you know simply because the infrastructure in the places where they want to go is is not something that they're used to 
Do you just um, on a slightly different note, but still to do with the travel? I was just wondering if there was any. Um, you've mentioned Rome. Yeah. Any sort of absolutely smashed it out of the park, but also any really uh, didn't do well on accessible yeah. places you've been yeah. to, interested in. Because you, I, I had a flick through your blog, and you've been to lots of places. So I was just interested in which ones were sort of. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean. Barcelona is my number one, definitely. Um, and is that um, sorry? Is that like a, a, a general agreed thing by most people that Barcelona? I, I kind of think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there are a lot of articles about it. There are a lot of, you know, I I haven't done a huge amount of travel outside of Europe, so I would like to like. I know that, for instance, Singapore is held up as being a really accessible place. Mm. Um, I was actually supposed to be going there in May. Um, obviously that didn't happen given everything but um, but, you know I hope to explore more of the destinations a bit further afield that I held up as being really accessible I think in terms of places that didn't do well I I had a holiday to Tunisia once that was difficult Um, now this was very much a holiday and like not I'm not going to write about this Mm -hmm. it's not not a review thing Um, I think just just again it just felt like really kind of behind the times in terms of accessibility just the willingness was there but the infrastructure wasn't the ramps were there but they might as well have been steps because they were so steep and I couldn't independently um you know curbs like cliff edges because they're so high and I I think that's you know I've seen that in Tunisia I've seen it in Egypt I've seen it in Turkey and I do wonder how much of that is the kind of tourist that they're used to. Because, mm. you know, you travel throughout like mainland Spain or the Balearics and there isn't anywhere where you can't hire a mobility scooter. You know, there isn't the, like, yes, it's not perfect, but it's it's there and it's at the forefront and it's been thought of. Um, again, I don't know really outside of Europe. Yeah. how much you know my travels have been limited um but also that wasn't accessible for my needs but it doesn't mean that it wouldn't be accessible for somebody else yeah and I, and I do think like I am I always try to make sure that within my writing it's a personal review and it's a you know I'm talking about places that I've been and how suitable they were for my needs yeah. um because Oh, that's all I can talk about. That's yeah. all I'm in, actually. And if and if that means that that information is then helpful to somebody who has similar needs, or even if it's just a starting point for someone to go, right, well, this worked for Carrie Ann and she she needs this and that and this. I need different things, but I can at least investigate it. Yeah, yeah. I just um I guess it opens up kind of a discussion even yeah like you say even if you don't have the same needs it's like there was a level of understanding of your needs where you went and hopefully that will translate into some level of understanding of my own needs where when I go or yeah there'll be a there'll be a starting point I know there's I know there's this in the hotel and I know that there's this I can do on one of the days I won't want to do a couple of the other things that were done but yeah I think it's um I, mean, I like that idea of like I, I, you, you write about your own needs because they're yours, 
but hopefully people can take exactly. Look, I'm not trying to be any kind of all-encompassing expert because, yeah. well, frankly, I haven't, I haven't got the time. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just not possible as well. We've talked, we were talking about this recently, like how there is such a, a huge range of different needs. It's yeah. impossible to be able to speak for everyone. And there are some people who try and do it, but, and then they get backlash for that. And then it's just like crazy. Like, um, what was it about? Oh, I was about to say something else. I guess the other thing is like, people can see if they've, uh, say a hospital has taken a hospital <laughs> hotel has taken the time to kind of make those, uh, like your needs, you know, yeah. um, accessible that, all right, then they must at least be willing to make steps for other different needs Definitely. that are around there as well. Definitely. And also just if they've been open to working with me. Like mm-hmm. some, some of the older stuff that I've written has just been trips that I took and then wrote about afterwards. But most of the stuff in the last couple of years has either been because I've been invited to go somewhere or because I have reached out to that accommodation provider and said, you know, I would like to come and review and write about you. Can we work together? And so, you know, that is a good indication if someone has been willing to work with me that they are committed in some way to serving this market. Are you ever worried at all that, like, um, that they, that, like, they know you're coming, so they might, um, you know, try and make a more, more of an effort than they would usually? I think I've probably had a couple of those experiences. And like on a personal level, that's quite nice. (laughs) 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 But I'm never going to say no to a free upgrade. Um, But often and definitely more recently, the the accommodation that I've been reviewing has been Mm self-catering. And so there's kind of, you know, you can't really do anything more than make sure it's clean and tidy. And then, you know, I have my weekend there and we see what happens. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm never going to be a mystery shopper. If they, if they know I'm coming, then they, then they know how it is. Um, and, yeah, p- perhaps that has an effect on the customer service that I receive, particularly in, like, a hotel or a restaurant setting. Yeah. But... Um, if I'm so if I'm going and this would yeah it would probably be exclusively within like a hotel or a restaurant that is a mainstream place to go but they have some kind of accessibility whereas from like a holiday cottage point of view they tend to be this is the market that they serve they've made themselves successful and this is the market that they serve so if I'm going to a hotel who thinks that they've done a lot for accessibility and who knows I'm coming. Yes, they are, you know, they might give me a free upgrade or whatever. But actually, if the accessibility needs improving in some way, or if I can make recommendations, I think that's still going to be there. Like, I yeah. think they're not necessarily going to know that before I turn up, if that makes sense. Also, I guess the angle of which you're talking about there, your experience is like, I mean, if you, a free upgrade is great, but... If the room doesn't, if, if they don't have a ramp, they don't have a like. They can't knock up. They can't knock up a ramp in like <laughs> the week before you come. So I think if they, yeah, that, I think that was my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, um, yeah, that's that stuff isn't going to change. It might change after after I've been if I can give yeah. them recommendations or whatever. And also, you know, if it does mean that I get better customer service, like that's good. But I am a firm believer that good customer service is just good customer service. Mm-hmm. 
we are we are all individuals and if if a hotel receptionist or a waiter or whatever is going to be good at their job then they are going to tailor their service to that person's individual yeah. needs no matter what they are exactly. whether they're disabled or not you know yeah, I, t- I told you she'd come at some point. Hello. <laughs> you just senses when there's a Zoom call, huh, don't you? And off you go. <laughs> just had a moment in the sun. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have any qualms if I was an influencer taking free upgrades. I would. <laughs> I'm, I like the thing is I'm always transparent about this stuff, you know, and I am on every post I write. I will. I will tell you exactly what's been provided free of charge or whatever, and on what basis. Yeah, I've got no interest in trying to hide any of that. Um, but yeah, like the other thing is, it's easy to think, oh well, Karen's just getting like free weekends away all the time. Like that is like she's getting like she's getting paid to go on holiday and stuff. But that that is really not the case. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> this. The, don't get me wrong. It is a privilege and it is lovely to be able to have a weekend away and have some portion of that be provided free of charge. But I am working while. Oh, I'm, yeah, definitely. And I'm, and I'm trying to have a full time job alongside that as well. Um, and, um, you know, last year, like, I packed in so much. I had like something like seven trips in five months alongside working like a full time week. Um, and it, it was great. I had a lot of good experiences and I was able to publish a lot of good content, but it taught me that I, that, that is not a rate at which I can do that. Mm. Like, it, it, is, it is tiring and it is exhausting. And even just like the act of writing up and publishing the blog post and promoting it on social media and all of those things after the trip, that, that takes me a good, at least a good full day of work, if not two days. So, you know... It's, yeah, I think the percep- the perception of the lifestyle of an influencer versus the actual reality is quite different. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you'd be happy to talk about Accessable a little bit. Um, um, I've got to be honest, I don't know too much about what Accessable is, so it'd be cool to hear about that. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So um, Accessable is a website and a free mobile app. Um, we create detailed accessibility guides to venues, travel venues, things like hotels, tourist attractions, but also hospitals, universities, um, corner shops, leisure centres, essentially any kind of building that a member of the public might visit, we have some kind of access guide for. Yeah. Um, they're all created by crucially um we we have a team of trained surveyors who visit every single venue that we have an access guide for um so if you think about something like a risk assessment survey or a fire survey it's essentially that but it's for accessibility it's very detailed information we don't produce an access guide when we haven't visited because that allows us to guarantee a level of um we have surveyed over the last 20 years we've surveyed over 125,000 venues i think we have about 70,000 live at the moment um it is uk only um the the level of detail is huge we collect up to a thousand pieces of information per venue that we visit 
200 of those pieces of information are just about the toilet. Wow. So that gives you some idea. Again, because we recognise that accessibility is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. But it's not possible for us to say this venue is accessible or this venue isn't. We're not about good and bad. We're not about giving ratings. We're not about... Just um, giving the facts. Absolutely. Facts, figures and photographs. And, And then that decision is then yours. You know, you review the information and you decide based on that information if the venue is suitable for you. And I really like that element of, you know, I think it's quite empowering because you're not making a phone call to a restaurant and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, we have customers in wheelchairs, it's fine. Actually, you've got, you've got photos, you've got measurement, you've got to like, and, and again, crucially, you know, we, we cover a lot of information that helps people with mobility impairments, but also we cover a lot of information outside of that. We can tell you what the lighting levels are like, if there's background music being played, if there is a hand dryer in the toilet that might set off and, you know, be difficult for somebody who has noise sensitivity. Um, we cover staff training, like dementia-friendly training. We're currently working on a project where we'll be able to identify if a toilet is stoma friendly or not for somebody who uses a stoma bag. Um, now that information doesn't exist anywhere at the moment, and um, you know we we hope to be the first to to be able to reach those people. Um, so you know it's I think yeah you could say that it's a service for disabled people, but I think it's a service for anybody. Oh yeah. Um, I I think. If if you would find the information, just information about like how far it is from the parking space to the front door, is is going to help a lot of people, mm. and 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 that's what we have. So it's available on our website accessable.co.uk, and um, app called Accessable, free to download on iOS and Android for absolutely anyone to use. That's right. I'm thinking. Uh, so uh, my job, like, um, is well was kind of is um uh arranging kind of day trips and things out of young people with autism and learning disabilities so that sounds like actually why have we not been using this this entire time because there's so many times we've gone to places and been like oh no this isn't (laughs) this isn't gonna work (laughs) so yeah having something like that was such a useful kind of tool to have that's that's a difficult thing isn't it because it is I guess relatively easy to find out if a restaurant has like blue badge parking or if there is a ramp. There's quite a lot of sources of information where you could find that, but it is less easy to find out, yeah, how bright the lighting is or if, yeah, if there's background music being played that's that's going to be an issue or how crowded the venue might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the sort of stuff that we try to capture and we're also constantly innovating like if you came to me and said I've been you know this is my job and actually I need this specific piece of information which you're not capturing at the moment Mm. we would quantify that and we might go out to the audience and say you know do other people need this they find it useful and if the answer to that was yes then we would add it and we would collect it um because that our motivation is to help people who need this information that's like that's it that is it is simply that um we we are a limited company but we reinvest all profits into the organization so um yeah the 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 more information that we can help with the better and we we are always looking to 
to innovate that as much as we can. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like Jack said, just surprised hadn't already been aware of it, but it sounds great. Yeah, I think I think it's tricky. So before I joined, so I joined two years ago, um, mid rebrand. So we used to be called Disabled Go. Yeah. Um, and we found that that was limiting our customer base essentially, because you know, as I said previously, I think that it's a service for everyone, but we would see people just not identifying with the name Disabled Go. We would, we would see people who have access needs but don't consider themselves to be disabled yeah. see our logo and go, oh, no, that's not for me. That's for disabled people. We're, we're actually, you know, and I, and I think that's such a shame because it's like we've got this here and it could be so helpful to you. So that, that was the decision behind rebranding the organisation to Access Able. Um to try and encompass um a broader audience yeah. um, and we're always working to that you know that's why we've that's why we're doing some of the stone friendly work as well um and then i yeah i think we were doing really well with marketing and then pandemic um, yeah. because yeah. the thing is yeah. we, we are all about disabled people going out like, yeah. that's what we do and um you know so in march when millions of us were told to stay at home we went well we can't we can't like we literally just paused marketing for six yeah months. we were like we can't. I, what unfortunately during this time i have seen some quite some some marketing from organizations that feels like it's sort of taking advantage oh yeah definitely situation. and we passionately did not want to be that mm. like we, we we just said we need to stop we need you know we need to stop marketing what we're doing because it doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel responsible um and we don't want to be pushing to an audience who is just in survival mode thank um so i'm just picking up the reins again basically um we've we've got some exciting campaigns happening um i'm i've we've all been working reduced and flexible hours but i'm really happy to say that i'm getting some more hours from next month because uh, it's um it's tricky trying to trying to manage a full department on eight hours a week um but um yeah so i hope that you will see more from us in the future um and that we will have less conversations where people don't know who we are. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll put like uh, links and stuff in the description of the episode and stuff too, so you can check it out if you're listening. Which, you know, if you're listening, the only way you can hear this is if I'm saying it. <laughs> That's a weird thing to say. But yeah, in the, in the description of the episode, I'm pointing, this is an audio format. Um, uh, links and things will be in there. <laughs> You can see how, what a tight ship we run here. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Carrie Ann. It's been really yeah, cool. Interesting. Um, really interesting, yeah. Um, it's been really nice talking to you. <laughs> what a podcast. What an interview. What an episode. Uh, yeah, really great, really interesting. Yeah, um, cool. What's it, I think actually in this short run we're doing at the moment, like I've probably learned the most, like from 
the guests we've been to like um a lot of things like which haven't like occurred to me before have have been popping into my brain i guess that's what learning is just popping new stuff in that brain so wise that's, that's me. Uh, yeah, so as we mentioned at the beginning, you can go on Carrie Ann's blog at carrieannelightly.com. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter, Carrie A. Lightly. Tom is holding up The Resistance, one of my favorite games. Uh, not related to anything that's happening right now. Uh, and also, Accessable is accessable, so not ible, able, able.co.uk uh, for more info about. He's trying to distract me with just random stuff on his shelves, but I'm so much of a professional, even though I've just spoken for the last 30 seconds about the fact he's not going to distract me, which is actually quite a distraction. Um, Tom, what's our Twitters and emails? CBpod. Yeah, well, at CBpod. And what's our email address, please? We're pushing for a 1,000 followers. And our email is challengebehaviors at gmail. It's challengebehaviorspodcast.com at gmail.com, yeah. Is there anything about this show you actually know? That we're going to get to a thousand followers. I'm going to tell everyone I know that. <laughs> See, if we, if we get to a thousand, maybe that can be your pledge that you'll actually learn something about it. Learn the things we say every single time. I'll keep it fresh. <laughs> uh, speaking of keeping it fresh, Tom, say something cool. Um, accessible travel. Nice. That was a good one. You did much better than last week. Uh, All right, then. Bye. Bye.